in a kingdom life, this is how he sees us. He sees that there's a spirit that's pushing us from behind and that's always there. Somewhere we're walking here, there's a line. That means if I am standing here, then that means I'm already born again. If I am behind this line, okay, I'm not born again yet. That means there is an unregenerated spirit. The Holy Spirit, the word, which is the power, is not in me, so I can't get to the kingdom life. And so if you think of the bottom of that cup as a starting line, and you get saved, boom, now I'm born again. That second person stands right here. That's the, that's the light that's sitting in here that gives you the power to start moving towards the door. God's going to say, I'm coming to you at an appointed time. I'm going to hit something with you, and you do have to make that choice to cross the line. And there is a time where the more times we pass God by, pass God by, we, you know, God chooses our life, and he chooses to take our life. Satan doesn't take us out. Satan's only used, which God uses him, to get us into maturity into the kingdom. And so there is no more this thinking, oh, well, Satan did this to me. Satan did this to me. Satan. No, God appoints things. And I like it. Before we cross the line, we've done a lot of what? Stuff. We've believed a lot of stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay? We've gotten involved in a lot of stuff. Yes. But then when we get saved, now he says, if you have the Holy Spirit and you're on that starting line, that means what he starts he is going to finish it. So I believe that everybody's on this line has eternal life. Nobody can lose their eternal life. But not everybody will have abundant life here on earth. Because the only way to have abundant life is to let Jesus process and sanctify your soul. But nobody knows how to really get through this door. There is very few ministers that have been given this from the Spirit to know how to get people into this large place. And see, this is what's so awesome. The body of Christ, it's like it's tennis balls that you open up. You hear it, shh, air comes out, and they're the fluffiest balls. They bounce really high. Every time a can of, uh, of tennis balls open up, that's another revelation. See, now this is where we are on the cusp of bringing in the true process. And see, that's where this ministry has put together that if we get enough people through this process, that's going to be the message everybody's responsible. That's the next generation's what they've got to learn is how to get through the process because it's a building thing. You start out in kindergarten and then you graduate to 12th grade and then you go to college. Well, it's the same thing as God is moving time. Time is to help us realize how valuable love is and how much he's moving in everybody's time segment. My parents' generation... They had something they had to accomplish, but it might not have been this. Do they get to come in and join this if they're still with the game? Yes. But now every generation has something that they're responsible. And you think Satan knows that. Satan knows that every day that goes by, that's one day closer to his what? Death. Where he gets really put into a locked up, can never come out. And there's a thousand years that there is ruling and reigning. And Jesus is in his government which isn't going to be. We're not going to have to worry about laws and courthouses and stuff like that because we're going to be so filled with the glory of God that we actually get to experience that abundance in its fullness. So you have to look at this as like a starting line. That's why I, 
you know, I meet a lost person and you know they're lost, you can never be mad at them. Man, you can never be mad at them. And then like if you see one that you know that's lost, that's had a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity, but yet, okay, everybody has choice. I believe that the Lord gets every soul at the end of the, I'm not every soul. He gets every spirit back. He is the one who created the Holy Spirit. And if a person there on their deathbed, I truly believe that he gets every spirit. But now does he get every soul? Okay, well, that's up, to the, that's up to the person in their relationship with Christ. So the measure of the soul that we advance in, and we cross through this door, but to get into the enlarged place, you see how the cup is so wide up there? The, every time you walk through this door and you get through this, you experience a measure. See how it starts off small? You know, a person who gets saved, they cross over. Man, just that little power feels so great. But then you have to come back and you're going to be what? You're going to press it. But then look how your space gets what? Enlarged. And then you hit a level in him. And when you hit this line, you are what? Crowned. Every measure you go, you gain a jewel of your crown. You gain. But there is one crown of authority that develops that when you come through that door, you have that power. So if you have had something uh, when it comes to fear, an offense, a hurt, something you've knocked off that list, man, you now have the power through the testimony to stand there and call out and bring other people through the door. Isn't that awesome when you think about it? But you actually get in a frame that you never get out of the kingdom. You recognize, woof, I'm going back. And when you go back, you start, you feel like you're starting over from the beginning. And that's what's hard for people to realize. When we get people in here and they recognize, okay, I'm born again. They get through that first doorway of change. Okay. Whew, they think, wow, gosh, I've made it. <laughs> right. Okay. And then they get you on the next move. And then as you keep pressing, you actually become so submitted that you're like, okay, I'm getting it. I have to start off back at the beginning pressing in, praising, worshiping. He's taking you constantly. When you get through, you're actually going to another level. So the first time you go through, if you get here, great. You go back and now you get what? Here. Now you go back and now you get what? Here. Do you see how you keep advancing? Right. You never go back to this, right? You keep lifting up, but then you hit a point. Can you put up Psalms 23? Psalms 23 is so awesome to this. Because it reminds us that he sets a table before us. And when he sets that table before us, he's going to what? Fill your cup. Okay. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay. If the Lord is our shepherd, even when, when we get full with God, we don't want to ask because we already feel what? So full. We don't want anything. You just know you have the glory of God. So you have the, the fullness in you. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is, when you really know he is your shepherd, there's not too many wants that you have. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you'll be happy just living in him. All right, next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So he says that he's going to make you lie down and then he's going to lead. So when we're coming up to this door, this is the point. You're not lying down here. You lie down right here, right at this doorway. And he gets you to a point where you lie down and you know you can't do it, 
because only the Lord can do it. And the want you think you want, it's gone, right? And when he says, now he leads me besides the still waters. Okay, so now he gets to the point where now when you lay down, he can what? Lead. Okay, so the doorway of change, when you get on that threshold, it's because you've now just did what? You just gave up. Yeah, you lied. And you're not giving up on him. You just give up on what yourself thinks. Remember, anything that has self, self self-control, self-sufficient, selfishness. We're not supposed to be in ourself because we really are a we. And he wants to lead us into a place beside a still water. That means still water, you can close your eyes in spirit and you can sing and you can be in still waters. It says in Ephesians that being in spirit, it always kills me when I hear somebody say, yep, be in spirit, just speak in tongues. Okay, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to be in spirit is to sing hymns and music, speak out what God tells you to speak, which is tongues. But that's not the only thing. You get what I'm saying? I kind of giggle because people get so excited about the gifts, they miss the truth. Because they think, oh, God's working me. He's using me. He's working with me. And just for you to know that, it says it's in Ephesians 5, 18 to 19. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So they, everybody says, be in the Spirit, right? Then it tells you exactly what that means. Speaking to one another in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your what? Heart to the Lord. And then it says, if you're in spirit, you are giving thanks always for all things. Man, when you close your eyes and you just start humming and praising God, what's one of the things that starts coming out? Your thanksgiving okay, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third thing in spirit is submitting to one another in the fear of God. Do you know what I mean? So you know you're in spirit when you are singing some songs, spiritual songs, singing, making melody from your heart. Well, when people speak in tongues, that's what? Making a melody from your inner heart. But there's so much more to it. It is thanking God. It is pressing out. You just close your eyes and you just get lost. And so we can't judge a person being in spirit except for by this. Do you know what I mean? You know when somebody's in spirit because they are, there is a peace. When you have a peace with God and a reverential fear, you're not screaming, you're singing. It's just coming. You know, whatever he wants to say, whatever he wants to do, it's a beautiful place to be in spirit. But the enemy, he wants to keep us in what? Torment. He wants to keep us tormented. He wants to keep us in that darkness where we don't know why we're doing whatever. But I'm going to tell you, when you're in spirit and you just start singing, it's peaceful. He is peace. He is not chaos. All right. Psalms 23.3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So what? He does it. When he says, for his name's sake, it's because he's in you. Christ sees Christ in us. He does it because he sees what? Himself. That's powerful. Christ, when he sees Christ being formed in you, he cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself if he is dwelling in you. 
this can be really deep when you think about it. He does it for his namesake. If we recognize that Christ is being formed in us and God is dwelling in our spirit and our soul, man, he's going to do things for us for his namesake. Does that make you just want to be attached to his name and believe in his name, trust in his name, have that name being formed in you, having that name being confessed from your mouth, having his name being thanked and glorified? He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He died for us for that. What happens at that door? He is going to what? Restore your soul. When you cross over, he just puts you into his righteousness. But he didn't do it for you. He did it to do it with us. For, he did it for his son. The father did it for his son. He said, now I'm giving you all the power. You are going to be the judge of the soul. His next verse says, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, well, a valley gets very what? Narrow. Okay. So everybody knows the word. It says, right, narrow is the path which leads to life, kingdom life. And very few find it. Okay. Because they don't know the process. So they, it's amazing how the enemy, nobody is bad. This is what's so awesome. Everybody in Christianity, people don't come into churches because they don't want to feel what? Bad about their sin where nobody is. We talked about this last night. We are already born into an assembly right when we're born. We're already born into that bondage so that he can do it for his namesake. So he can do it to show you who our creator and all-powerful God is. And so he is a person. So I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will. He wants us to say that right on that line. I will fear no evil. And he wants us to cry out to him saying, for you are with me. You are with me. You are in me, being formed in me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Our mind is like Pharaoh. Pharaoh had to be, had to, God even said to Moses in the beginning, he said, I'm going to come to Pharaoh and I'm going to make him think you are God. And you're going to tell Aaron, the prophet I give you, you're going to tell him what to do, and he's going to go to Pharaoh, give the instruction, and he will have to make the choice to hear it. Well, I kind of like how this works. You've got, you've got Moses, who he said, I'm going to make them think you are God. All right, so Moses would be representing kind of God. All right, and then you've got Pharaoh, who is our soul, who Jesus wants to sanctify, and Aaron represents the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is the one who tells us and directs us and guides us. So when we pray and the Holy Spirit says, this is the rod you're going to hold on to, and then you're going to have to lay it down. And when you lay it down, what happens to the rod? It becomes a serpent, right? But then it says, he said, so Pharaoh, our soul doesn't always believe that rod. So what did Pharaoh do? Consulted all his other people of wisdom and he said, hey, bring your rods and throw them down. So all these other people come. When you're on the threshold, there are all these other voices that are going to come and throw down their rod. Okay? But Aaron's rod swallowed up all the other serpents. 
So our having his rod and his staff is so important to us crossing over. When we hear an instruction from the Holy Spirit, if we know the word, that word's going to pop right out. But if we're not reading the word, do you see how the spirit and the word, if they're not working together, it says right here, it's the Holy Spirit and what? The word. word. That is the power. All right. If we don't have enough word and we're moving in spirit, we can be tapping into a lot of spirit and hearing a lot of stuff. But is it truly the Holy Spirit? Is it the rod that is the spirit and the word? And when it's time for you to be on that threshing floor and he calls it down, that is the one that's going to eat up all the others voices, all the other opinions, everything else that's coming to you that you want to believe instead of the word. We have that spirit in us to guide us, but we've also got to know the word and what to say. Because anything that's proceeding from your mouth, if it's from the Holy Spirit, it's going to be in the word. It is going to be that word. But then the Holy Spirit will give us a command to do something that we might not understand why, but we can find that in the word. So it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That one word is the only word you have to keep what? Saying, meditating on because it's the only thing that will do what? Comfort you you because he's about to bring you in a large place. Isn't that amazing when you really think about that? Next verse, Psalms 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you throw that rod down, you've just set the table. And he's prepared a table before you with all the other what? All those other rods? Okay. He now sets the table before you in the presence of my enemies because they're not our enemies. They're God's enemies, right? It says, you anoint my head with oil. And it says, my cup runs over. So that means when you get through it, he anoints you now with the ability of that power. You are anointed. After you've come through that door, he puts that anointing. Now your cup will runneth over in that area that you came through the door. And that's what's so powerful. Our anointing is only as good as as many times as we've gotten through this door. So even if we get through the door once, we're born again and have power, but we hadn't gotten through a door yet. And there's a lot of people in the church that just haven't gotten through the door. They haven't gotten through the door because there's not, not all the shepherds have gotten through the door. That's the period we're in now. We can go out and save souls, but we also want to know where to send them. We want to know where to guide them. God is really strategically establishing his shepherds the true fathers that we talked about, that he will turn their hearts and he will know how to help them get through that door. And so it is really powerful when you think about this vision because we can take this in a very small day-to-day basis or we can look at the, the overall move of what God is trying to do with us. It's very easy to want to give up on what God is doing because we don't know how to get through that threshing floor. Right. right, and the trials are there to change our character. There are things that we already believed in the past, and so those are the things that are going to keep coming to us to mature us. And the tribulation is what he's already established us all to go through. Tribulation, in fact, we did a, we talked about that, that it's the process that the Father 
that's assigned to you helps you get through the tribulation. And see, that's where people who haven't gone through the door can't teach it because they don't understand the difference between the trials, tribulations, and conflicts and fears. You know, the fear is the first thing that's going to hit. The conflict's in your soul. The tribulation and the trial, I like how they're on the other side because they're the outside things happening, you know. But he says we enter in through many tribulations. That's what the word says. We enter into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. So that doesn't mean you kind of get excited about, hey, I got through one tribulation. I got this down. Yeah, right behind it comes the next one. Because he only gives you, right, he gives you enough in your life because he knows the greater grace is in you to get over it with him, but you've got to believe that he gets you through it. And that's right. Faith works through love. What does that mean? To work through love is to believe and love him so much that you're actually telling him the verse before that, that I know you are with me. I know your staff and your rod, it comforts me. So put up James 1.12. It's good when you start understanding it. Teaching, sometimes very anointed, because they're giving you the rod you need to throw down. They're giving you the word that God said will comfort you in that time of change. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who what? Love him. Faith works through love. All he asks us to do is to love him. And if you're loving him, you're seeking him. And if you're singing, thanking him, and you are trying to work out things with others, you are in his spirit. You are with him. He is with you. He is going to get that changed. He's going to make you blessed because you've endured the temptation of not loving him. You've endured the temptation of not walking by faith, by not loving him. It says, for when he has been approved. So that's the man. For when the man has been approved, what does he receive? The crown of life. When is he is approved? When he crosses through the door. And it's a when. We're already, the approval is already there. But he says, you're going to have to endure the temptations. But when you are approved, that means that temptation will never get to you again. That means you'll never have that fear again. That means you'll never, you'll never be that angry again. That means you'll never have that lust again. That means that pride, whether undercurrent or over, it cuts, cut down. And you'll never have it again. Sickness. Do you believe it? There's only one sickness, and that is your sickness unto death. All this other sickness is for his glory to prove to you that he has stamped you approved. I mean, isn't that crazy? We get something that happens to us so he can show us when I approve. It says, for when I, when he has been approved, then what? He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. All we have to do is love Jesus Christ. And that, all we have to do is wake up every morning and say, I'm just waking up because I love you. I mean, the, the most powerful movements that I have had, my worship, it wasn't about worshiping because I was supposed to worship. It wasn't about coming in and praying because that's what I was told to do. It was because I just woke up every morning, I just smiled in bed and just started singing. You know, I was singing love to him. And when we sing out love to Jesus, it's amazing how we can seek God, worship God and do everything. And then right when we get to that threshing floor, that spot where we're to apply, it becomes so intense that you just give up and you're like, this isn't worth it. 
What, what's worth it? Well, it's because how much do you love him? To let him humble you, humble you, humble you. The truly humble person is one who hears the word, but is also the person who will what? Obey it in the pain. That's where the true integrity of God is. Integrity is when you have to give something up that doesn't feel good to gain truth. Well, that's, and there's integrity of God when you get on that line. You know, we worry so much about integrity of the world, but if we just had the integrity of God, we would do all the good things in the world. He already says, when I exchange your heart out from a stony heart to a soft heart, a heart of flesh, flesh means he wants you crying. He wants you bawling like a baby. He wants you to get on your knees and know you can't do this. I don't understand this. So I like it because, you know, that's exactly what he does. But when we are, we can become very prideful after we've gone through a couple of rotations. Now then we hit spiritual pride. Well, my gift is working and this is good and I do this. Yep, I don't need to grow anymore. Right when you say that, you just started right back at that starting line. Now, when you get through that door through that time, you're going to get into a what? A larger place. You're getting into what? More of a, your crown is growing. Think about how little the crown is. And think about after seven rotations, how big your crown is, right? Think about how big your crown is. All right. The next verse is going to be Philippians 3.14, where he tells us, Paul is telling us, I press toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Jesus Christ is calling us upward. Okay. Remember, even though I laid this down, this is an upward move. You have to do what? Press. So here you are here, back starting again. All right, and that means one of these things are gonna come up, unforgiveness, shame, or rejection. As you press in, boom, it's gonna pop up. And see, that's where you don't wanna go back. He said you push forward to an upward move, which you've heard Gene say, keep your eye on the, well, what's the prize? the crown of authority. So this becomes an upward move. You are moving upwards towards another, a power, one that you're not in charge of. He's in charge of it. Anytime the Lord has ever used me for something, it's not because I was looking to be used, okay? It was just, he showed it to me. I actually got the boldness to do it because the boldness comes here to do what in here is telling you to do. You know it's God because you don't sit there and say anything. You're like, that just happened like I can't believe that just happened wow that was really powerful and see that's the biggest test when you get through pressing through and then he gives you something to do for him when he presses you through when you get on that other side he's got something for you now to do and he's going to show you the person show you the place and now you've got to do it but when you do it it is so it, it, you feel the column of God overtake you you feel that glory column come down when you come through this door, and I'm going to do this as a walkthrough. Now I can help somebody coach them through the door. But in the beginning, I was getting myself through the door. And I had to really look at that. And the Lord was really teaching me how childbirth, he does that. A woman should never turn down natural childbirth because he really does have a deliverance for her. Now, if a woman doesn't, he has a deliverance for her too. He really does. I mean, it doesn't, there's no judgment on if you make it or not. He is going to deliver something. And so he's going to show his glory. We can think that we fail on that floor and we haven't failed. We have gained another testimony in him. 
But he says, I'm gonna get you through a door. I'm gonna deliver you from something. I think it's good when men watch women in childbirth and they participate because they really experience the true process God tries to show you. And then for a woman, what is the crown that she receives? The baby, right? They receive a life that God chose them to have. God chose that woman as the mother and God chose. And so when a man understands that process, and I think it's harder for men because men carry visions and women really do carry a spirit of God. We want to, we, we don't mind birthing something out. But most of the time when we're praying and birthing something out, it really is for a vision God has put in a man, something for them to get through. Just think about it. Jesus, look at all the women that traveled with him that prayed for him and that stood by him while he had to go through his crucifixion. So the, the thing about pressing toward the goal, you know, in pregnancy, you're going to have the baby. <laughs> so you've got nine months, right? It's going to come. Well, we have to think of it like that. We have to think of it like we really are going to receive a crown. Do you know what I mean? And think of it like that. And think of it like I've really got to press forward because I can't go back. I can't go back and get unpregnant. I can't go back and, you know what I mean? And that's where, that's why I love the word abortion. Because the word abortion is a word that describes what we do when we back away from the door. And we don't press forward to see what God had for us because he already knows what we're going to do. But that actually a woman, it can make a woman press forward more. You get our hurts or what are used to press us to get through the threshold to experience something we've never experienced. He has something he wants you to experience that you can't see. That's why it takes faith to get through the threshold because you can't see how good it is on the other side. We've never felt how good it is on the other side. But I love it when he gets us through the first time. We feel it. Do you know what I mean? I like it. The enemy wants to wear us down more because he knows that every time we gain more on the kingdom side, the kingdom life, he loses every time. Through experience, I don't want to attach on to what the devil has. I have had darkness. I felt things leave me. I have been as affected as the, the next person, you know? But every time something leaves, I don't have to know what left. I just have to believe I was changed. And then I want to hold on to that. Now I have better eyes to what? See? I have spiritual eyes to see when darkness is coming upon to get to me. So he tells us to press toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize, which God in Christ is calling us upward. 